Welcome to the Village Church Podcast Show. I'm Josh Patterson, joined with Matt Chandler. Hey. Uh, how are you? I'm good. You? good. I'm good. I'm good. Looking forward to another episode talking about life at the village briefly, and then we'll talk about ministry and leadership. And uh, hopefully, uh, you know this, Matt, but as we've, we've been in the James series here at the church, we're a couple yeah. weeks in, and I, I've been profoundly encouraged. I, I think even just the response ministry-wise in the life of our church has been super encouraging. Yeah, you you know, you never really know. I, I, you just kind of dive into study, and you're having conversations, and you're praying a lot. And um, I, I think the theme particular, um, that that in particular that we've covered the first couple of weeks, that that idea of, of suffering and trials and difficulty and, and the honesty that they're out there and yeah. they're sitting in the seats, and it's not... It's not uh, just a theological concept, but it's the reality that people are walking in. It's something I think just doesn't get talked about. I, I think in a in a hope to um, to be cheery or chipper or whatever to to hold a, a pep rally or what David Brooks, a New York Times New York Times op ed writer, calls uh, the arena culture. That kind of high energy, right. kind of rah rah kind of environment. We we've kind of lost the ability to navigate lament and loss and that this is a really difficult season and that spiritually I'm dry and, and that um, I'm in a situation that I can't, I feel like I'm drowning in. And, and so to be able to address those things head on the first two weeks really, really revealed that, that even among us, like I, this weekend, hundreds and hundreds of people raised their hand and said, man, I'm really doubting the Lord's mm-hmm. goodness in my right. life. And, and more raised their hands and said, I'm, I'm comparing my difficulty with what appears to be other people's um, just cheery life. And I'm growing resentful and angry and, and to watch the Holy Spirit minister in those spaces was, was as a guy who's um, studying and, and preparing and then not really knowing the end result of that other than that the Lord is faithful and he's going to do with his word what he wants to do, to, to see the Spirit move like that was super encouraging for me and, and all the more has me excited to continue to, to trudge through this book that Luther called the Epistle of Straw. Right. I, I heard it said, and I don't, I don't know who said it, I don't remember who said it, that when you preach to those who are suffering, you're never without an audience. And, yeah. And just recognizing and remembering in the life of the church and the community that people are suffering. And thankfully, the scripture speaks directly and squarely to that, which has been, like I said, been encouraging. Um, a couple of nights ago, just to kind of stay on James, but to shift a little bit, you and I were uh, hanging out. And so the, the, that hashtag. social media part of this, uh, we created a hashtag, hashtag faith works. And so we've encouraged the body. Uh, to post things on social media sites and use that hashtag. And we were just kind of looking through that together. <laughs> and, man, <laughs> I guess they curated this hashtag before and and looked it over. But there's uh, there's it's, a lot on there that's been it's really It's entertaining. Funny. Yeah. So we we were – there was Josh and myself and a couple other pastors, and then we got to laughing uh, at – really the the idea of faith works and and what people were attaching it to and uh there was some sweet woman that got herself a new car with it not a car a whip which a whip. i was unaware that that was slang for a new car so that i'm finally starting i'm hitting that stage of life where i'm like what are the kids saying now um but they she got a new whip with 20 inch rims and leather seats hashtag faith works so like, it, it's just been a prosperity stream yeah. and so What's encouraging about that, over the last several days, we've watched the the tenor of that particular hashtag change a little bit as our church has been engaged in it more, but uh, we did have a pretty good laugh about that, and I enjoyed it. 
Yeah, I enjoyed it. And so if you're listening to this and you are a member of the village and uh, you want to encourage someone or um, just want to praise the Lord for uh, what he's done or how he's sustained in difficult seasons, then uh, that's the hashtag, hashtag FaithWorks. And uh, as always, I think we've said this a couple of times now, but to, um, to put it on social media but not to seek the person out and say to their face that you're grateful for them or for sure. uh, you see what the Lord's done in them uh, probably would be um, n- not helping in an age that's growing more and more faceless as we stare at our devices more than we right. look into eyes. So. so the book of James is really front and center in the life of the church yep. right now, but somewhere kind of in, in the background a little bit is at least for our church is Lent, uh-huh. and and we just we admit it is in the background in the life of our church, but it's still there, and we still want to recognize it. So we've we have put together and put out a Lent guide again this year, and that Lent guide is meant to be a resource for the body and really for whoever to prepare our hearts towards Easter. Now we're not going through it uh, necessarily and uh, corporately, yeah. um, but it it is something to be mindful of and to consider as we're preparing for. Um, the Easter celebration in the life of the church. Yeah, I think so much of, of our culture is driven by singular events that other other than getting dressed for it um, and heading to it, you, you don't do much um, thinking or preparing. Yeah. And so I think the Lent Guide is really helpful in that it begins to um, kind of show us what Lent is supposed to show us. We, we want to lay some things aside. We want to, in a very real way, um, get a good grasp on our sinfulness, uh, which makes the, um, the, the idea of his salvation and forgiveness all the more yeah. rich and deep. And, yeah. and so it's a good practice. I, I know there's a lot of people that think it's kind of um, Catholic mysticism, and, and I know the accusations against it. But right. I'm just, I mean, I'll just say it here. I'll say it to anybody who asks me. If, if me meditating on and thinking through my sinfulness to make me more... Um, more glad-hearted in the forgiveness of Christ is Catholic mysticism, then you can just count me as one. Sure, sure. We're also um, in in this season right now where we're beginning to kind of recruit and promote internships at the Village. I thought it would be fun just to talk just a little bit today about, one, to let people know we have an internship program, and it's something that we're continuing to develop and excited about. And so this next year we'll be recruiting about 35 interns and for a variety of positions, but you and I both served as interns, not yeah, necessarily th- together. Things have changed. Have they? I think they've changed. Tell me. Well, so in my internship, which was, golly, I mean, again, I'm 40, was converted, so I'm about 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, I My first internship, I was a youth intern at First Baptist Church of Tech City. I think I worked 70 or 80 hours a week for three months. It was a summer intern, and I got $1,000. A week? No, for the summer. For the whole summer? For the whole summer. Lived with a family, had $1,000 for three months, 80 hours a week. So you and I have similar stories, and and I'm sure you've done this, but I I remember as an intern where I would count out my hourly wage. I think I made like nine cents an hour when it was all said and done. And who knew all of that was illegal? It was illegal. Totally illegal. I know it now, but I I checked into it, and we're past the statute of limitations. so. So are we... Are we offering those types of internships? Is uh, that- I wish we could. <laughs> like, I feel like it it's shaped and molded me into who I am now. Like, I know there are long weeks in ministry, and you're going to get tired. And you could be making more than likely, not everyone, I've met a lot of people, not everyone, but you could more than likely be making a lot more money somewhere else for those hours. Right. And, and yet the calling drives you into 
what for sure. God has called you into. So, and I think we would both affirm the value of our internships, even though we laugh about them a lot as we're. We ran and got coffee for people and we survived them. We did. And learned how to serve. And even through that, learned about church work, yep. learned about ministry life. Uh, and, and it's not about coffee runs and no. holding parking spots open for people, but it is about learning to lay down uh, my preferences. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah, I'm grateful for it. So, and that, but that, so I want to swing back around yeah. before we move on and just go, that's not what we're doing here. So no. talk a little bit about the structure of an intern's week in the life of the village. Yeah. The internship here is 25 hours and it's, uh, we want to hold to that and we use it as a time for, for men and women to come and to explore a calling and to be developed, uh, not just as pastors and ministers, but as church leaders. And so a lot of our interns, they know that they don't want to go into pastoral ministry, yeah. but they want to come and learn uh, about church life and church ministry so that they can better serve the church in another vocation down the road. And so, uh, like I said, it's 25 hours. We we try to invest a lot in uh, the intern's development. And so I'm excited about it. I'm a, I feel like those guys and gals are encouraged in it. And so, yeah, there's a good theological component there, sure. too, where we're... Um, that they'll be taking classes in the morning on um, Old Testament, New Testament surveys and, and some other theological classes we've built for them. So. Should be good. Looking forward now just to kind of turn the conversation a little bit to where we're going to talk about leadership and specifically pastoral leadership and our rhythm and how we try to balance life in the midst of craziness. Well, we're going to now spend some time just talking about kind of life rhythm. Um, I had a professor, Josh, in college, Dr. James Shields. We called him the Silver Fox. And um, we he was one of those guys that you just kind of loved to hate. Yep. And um, you loved him, but he, he was... Um, it, it appeared that he was trying to make it more difficult than it needed to be. Um, and so the grading scale had slid. So, you know, a 93 to 100 was your A, uh, 90, 91, 92 was an A in every other class you had, but in his class it was a B. And uh, papers were longer. Everything was very rigid, and uh, there was no flexing, no. And he, he said one at one point in his class, he, he said, brothers, let me – uh, I had him for doctrine and preaching and uh, a couple of other classes. I think I had him for 21 hours and all. And and one of the things he said um, in our preaching class is he acknowledged that he made his class very difficult. And and he said the reason he made his class as difficult as he did is because um, in in the church world, as we as we looked after uh, shepherding and caring for the people of God, that um, they weren't going to die at opportune times, and there weren't going to be crises when we had space in our calendar for crises. But right. but no, it. but but rather, regardless of what comes your week. Um, you got to stand up there on Sunday and you got to preach the word of God faithfully. And that takes time to write that. And that takes time to prayerfully consider that. Um, and so that was, that was my first kind of big lesson in, Hey, they're going to be long, long days and, and you need to steward your hours well. And that, that was before I got married. I had kids. I had, so let's talk a bit about, um, maybe the best thing here would be just kind of best practices that you've kind of figured out with, um, you have, um, four kids. I mean, literally brother, you're two kids away from a TLC special. Um, so yeah, so that, that would be epic. Uh, the Patterson's, we need something that rhymes there, but, um, it, 
if you could just lay out a couple of best practices for us in regards to husband of one, father of four, three girls, a little boy, um, you coach or help coach basketball and football, you uh, are at all your kids' things and yet are one of the most effective um, leaders uh, I know in regards to um, just I haven't seen the end of your bandwidth here. So so how does that happen? Well, I, I'm not sure. I, there, There's a sense in which um, it's – it's not a sense. It's it's exhausting. It's tiring. Uh, it demands a lot. And um, but Natalie and I talk a lot about uh, fighting for the things that we value and and being real intentional. So it means saying no to a lot of things. It means um, not spending time on the things that are frivolous or trivial. Yeah. And um, and trying to be vigilant about those. You know, we you and I both went. Uh, I guess it was last week. We got a call. There was a, a tragedy in the life of the church. We were in the midst of a busy week. This came in the midst, uh, you know, obviously unannounced. And it, it, the time that was spent with this family, uh, you know, was half the day. Yeah. And you can't reclaim that. You know, nope. you can't get that back. And so um, living life in such a way that, that you're recognizing the life of a pastor is is that. And so my family knows that, that there are times when, when dad's got to go and... Natalie and I talked about this even before we had kids about how she can be a support and an, and a value add to the ministry that God's called me to because it's a ministry that she's called to as well. Um, and so I'm grateful for a wife that doesn't become embittered when I'm called out. Yeah, uh, when I've got to go. And so we we've just we've just talked about these That's things good. early on, and um, and she's really been a, a huge asset for us in that. So if if I am going to meet with a family, then it's an opportunity to speak in to the kids about this is what dad's doing. This yeah. is where dad's heading. Um, and this is why it's a big deal and why we can pray for him and pray for this family in that. So that's one thing that there are just interruptions that come unannounced that are there. But in an ideal week, I think it's important to know what an ideal week is. And, and not that not that you get to hit that often, but that you have a sense of this is how I should spend my time towards these these ends. And these are the things that mean a lot to me. So you, you talked about family and life. So I've got to fight for that. I've got to fight for, for those times. I've got to say no to things because I'm going to coach a practice, uh, or coach my son's team or my daughter's team or whatever it is. It means that I'm not doing other things. Um, and, and there are trade-offs and we just make those trade-offs and, um, but man, it's, it's a grind weekend and week out. And I I think one of the things that is important to say and and to say to um, really anyone who's listening to this who's considering pastoral ministry is um, you're going to be tired. I mean, no I think it took me a while to get that. In fact, it was a conversation I had with with Mark Dever where I was just on fumes and met with him for lunch, and he picked up on it that I was looking tired and just said, Matt, are you all right? You, you just look real tired. And I said, Brother, I just feel like there's always another discipline case. There's always another crisis. There's always another, you know, pressing. I've got to hurry up and get this done. Right. And he just lovingly, like a like a good father, said, "Yeah, that's the that's the calling. That that's not you. This is what God has called you to. Yep. You you don't. You're going to have your crew that you run with, you love, you do life with, but you don't exist in the middle of all the happy, well-dispositioned sheep who are growing, loving the Lord, and serving Him faithfully. You're, as a shepherd, we're on the fringes, man. We're right. 
Um, we're where they bite, where they're trying to run away. We're trying to grab them and bring them back in. And um, it's just hard, long work. Nothing about it's quick. And uh, just a, a firm that you've got to know this is it like for me, not only is there the family piece, but then there has to be study. No doubt. Uh, I have to lock down significant How do you do blocks. that? When do you do that? Um, so it, it varies depending on um, what the month looks like, but that's planned out a month at a time. Um, and, and so there are some times that that is um, a, a Monday and a Thursday. There are sometimes that's just Thursday. So like this week, we're coming off of executive staff. And so there was no study done on Monday. So I padded when we looked at it, my assistant, and I looked at it, we padded a little bit last week, bought me some time to study. And then all day tomorrow, outside of one lunch, I'm I'm studying. And, right. and so Thursdays are almost always a lockdown study day. I might have lunch with someone. Um, but by, by doing it that way and trying to be well ahead, so about two weeks ahead in regards to sermons being 85, 90% built out. So all I'm playing with is, you know, 10, 15, uh, a week, um, that, that, that if I get two days, I'm trying to push ahead. If I just get the one, something happens that steals the one from me. I'm still enough ahead that everything doesn't unravel. Yeah, so I think the dis or, or the principle here that, that you're speaking to, it's not a newsflash. It's nothing new. It's you're being proactive rather than reactive. Yep. So looking ahead, considering, planning, and being intentional towards that. But it, it really comes down to, so you've got, a, you've got a day set aside tomorrow. That's fantastic. Um, but that day is only a productive day. That day is only a day that's, that, that you have spent well. If you're then, once you have that disciplining yep. yourself to, to do, do what you know you have to do, that day. Yeah, it's not romantic at all. It's, you know, when the alarm goes off on a study day, the alarm still just went off on a study day. I got to get up, got to, you know, make coffee, eat breakfast and get ready to work. And study. And you have to study. So just because you don't have a day full of meetings doesn't mean that day is is spent doing something else, exhaling. Otherwise, you're up against it. You get behind. And and so I think it comes back to just a, a discipline and a proactive rhythm where you are you're attacking it, and, and you got to get after it. So uh, we're going to shift gears again here, talk a little bit about the mission statement here at the Village and, and the importance of mission statements uh, overall and how we have come to understand ours here. I'm going to spend a few minutes here talking about mission statements, and we'll get to the mission statement at the Village Church, but really want to talk even even bigger and more general why a mission statement is important. And I'm not sure that every organization, every church, everywhere has to have one. I get that. Um, but if you are going to have one, how it needs to impact the life of your organization or the life of your church. And so for us here at the Village, we, we were just adamant about if we're going to have a statement, then it's going to mean something. It's yeah. not going to just be something that's on a wall uh, it's not going to be some archaic, clever, cleverly crafted statement that sounds good but doesn't really have any impact. And so for us here at the village, the statement becomes a grid. It becomes a filter. It becomes yeah. something that helps form us and move us. And if I think about the mission of a church, and I think about the mission of any church, the big C, the universal church, not just the village church, it's not a unique mission. Every no. church has the same mission, and that mission can be boiled down to this, make disciples. You're going to go to the ends of the earth, and you're going to make disciples. So it, it's really, you. it's distilled right out of Matthew 28 and the Great Commission. This is what we're to be about. This is what any faithful, Bible-loving, gospel-believing church is to be about. Everyone has the same mission. Where it gets tricky or where it gets unique 
is how is our church going to fulfill this mission? Yeah. So it's not a question of what is our mission, but the, the question is how are we going to go about fulfilling this mission? And every church has to answer that. Yeah. And every church needs to wrestle with that because if you don't have an approach towards it, then you become like the the the, the house that is built without a plan. You've got a stairwell here, you've got a Leave room nowhere. over there, yeah. and it just doesn't go anywhere. So to create movement in the life of the church, you've, you've got to have an approach that answers this question, how are we going to make disciples? How are we going to do this? And so um, we can talk just briefly about our mission statement where we talk about that the village church exists to bring glory to God by making disciples through gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service and gospel center multiplication. And we could spend a ton of time here and there are places where we do that. Village 101 is a place where we really unpack this. Our membership class is a place where we really unpack this. Our new employee orientation is a place where we really unpack this. What, what I want us to talk about here is, is what does this look like for the businessman, the businesswoman, the teacher, the lawyer, the doctor, the student living out faithful discipleship in and around their domains. Yeah, I, I think when when you talk about discipleship, a lot of time what what people begin to think is a type of mechanical. Oh, we're going to go through this book together, or we're meet on Thursday morning. Yeah, we're going to meet six. on Thursday morning for an hour, and then I'm good. Or it's not even Thursday morning at six as much as it's hey, let's go through this book together. You know, it's a Paul Timothy, you know, kind of workbook, right? And and then we're we're done. And and in reality, I, there's so many. It's just not. There, there's no real silver bullet for discipleship. It's it's far more um, holistic than that. Absolutely. And so um, r- really the breakdown, and, and I know we'll talk about this more here in a minute, the, the breakdown of the mission statement is that as I'm, I'm thinking about um, um, a, a woman who's a member of the village church. We, we, we want to see her grow into all that Christ has for her. That that's discipleship, helping her walk as Jesus would have her walk, obeying all that Jesus commanded. And, and we're, uh, we see distilled from the scriptures that she'll be a worshiper and, and we want her worshiping, not just in the organizational facet, not just um, showing up on the weekends for weekend services or um, just singing when we sing at church, but but rather her life is one of worship. So there's this organizational component, but then there's this real organic component where she's cultivating a heart of gratitude towards the Lord, whether that be listening to music in her car or writing things down in her journal or her own time with the Lord, but she's cultivating uh, a sense of worship in her heart organically. That's not, we're not there. We're not doing that for her. We haven't built a program to do that, but but that she understands in the things that we've done that this is a value, this is something she should be pursuing. Um, and, and then from there, um, we we want to see people walk in deep community with one another. And, and again, organizationally, we've got some things that do that, but organically, we, we really want people to understand that their lives are to be based um, for the teacher, the businesswoman, the, that, that I need to have a community of people that I'm sharing my life with. And, and I'm going to fight for that. It's not going to yeah. be easy. Right. But um, So she might find that in our home groups, but she might find that serving in um, Group Connect or, or or some other ministry in the church. But we want her serious about community and building strong relationships with other Christians. Uh, and then finally, the multiplication piece is if you love the Lord and you've been uh, shaped by him and um, you're, you're in community, maybe you found that community serving, maybe you found it um, in a home group, that, that then that joy you have in the Lord 
flows out of you into acts of service, both inside the church and outside the church, as well as leads to a multiplication by sharing the gospel with others, um, doing mission, living intentionally. And so that's kind of the organic side of things. So I, I, we could spend a ton of time on the organizational group and we do group ministry and here are opportunities inside right. the church where we need your help. But but I think more than anything, it's the um, the organic side of things that I think happen naturally where you see the greatest amount of movement. So if when when we put this whole thing together, this is probably four or five years ago yeah. when, when we did this, it wasn't just worship, community, service, and multiplication, but we put on the front end of it before each one of those gospel-centered worship, gospel-centered community, gospel-centered service, gospel-centered uh, multiplication. It's redundant, and it's redundant on purpose. Yep. We realized grammatically we could have structured that differently, but to remind ourselves over and over and over again, that what is compelling us and what is shaping us and what is framing us is the gospel. And so it's not just community, uh, that I'm in community with a bunch of guys who are in a fantasy football league, but it's a community that is shaped and informed and propelled and undergirded by the gospel. It's not service just for the sake of serving. Because tons of people serve, right? Absolutely. It, it's conditioned by, it's distinct because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so you've laid out, uh, which I think is really helpful, the difference between the organizational component of a mission statement and then the organic piece of, of the mission. And just to flesh that out, uh, another image is the idea of a trellis and a vine, yeah. where the trellis is the framework and the structure that's built and there has to be that for the vine to flourish. If there if there is no trellis, if there is no organization behind it, there there's an unhealthy vine. It's overgrown. It yeah. becomes unruly. It becomes it becomes uh, almost untamable in a sense. And so, even biblically, the imagery of a vine is one that's pruned back. Yeah. It's cared for. It's tended to, and it flourishes under a healthy organization. So you want both of those. And as you explain the life of a disciple outside of what's going on in the life of a church. So I'm at, I'm at my desk, and uh, I I'm, I'm work for a company, or I'm teaching, or whatever it may be, that I'm recognizing that I'm, I'm still a worshiper. I'm still one who is a part of a community. I can still serve uh, at my job, in my location, wherever it may be. And the result of that is seeing Christ formed in others. That's the hope behind multiplication. So there is this piece where my discipleship is not just inside the church, but it's happening outside of the church where, where I look, where I'm living this out. Yeah. You know, and and I think about my own life, and and you and I walk closely together. So some of this is going to overlap, and all. Um, but as a worshiper, um, there is a sense in which, man, I. I'm recognizing, I have to remind myself of this day in and day out, that my heart is yielded unto the Lord. Mm-hmm. That's that's the posture of worship. It's not just I sing songs and I worship as I sing songs, but worship is more about a posture that's yielded unto the Lord in obedience before Him, and my recognition is He's got me. Yeah. He's got this. And so that, that comes up a thousand different times uh, in my life each and every day. Uh, whether it's as frustration is is birthed in my heart around something in my home, uh, and then I have to remind myself, the Lord has me. The Lord has this. Yeah. I'm submitting my life to Him. Uh, my community, I'm, I'm in a home group, and I, I am serving uh, in that group with you and, and two other couples, but then also 
I've got relationships that are outside of that that are helping form me uh, and providing this context for discipleship where I'm being shaped into the image of Christ. I'm learning what it means to serve, and and, uh, I serve here at the church in a variety of ways like you do so that my my work here at the church is different than my service to the church. Um, and, And finally, in terms of multiplication, of the desire to see Christ formed in others. And uh, we've talked a a little bit just about evangelistically what my hopes are is I want to be around people who don't know the Lord, um, uh, as I know you do as well, and have to be intentional towards that end. I think pastorally, the trap for us is that we can get caught in thinking, oh, this is my job, I'm good. Um, but, But to really press into the very same things that we're calling our people to press into. Yeah. It, in the end, it, it's a it's a good thing to have um, just this is what we're about, this is what we're doing, this is who we are. And you use such a great illustration um, over and over again about the the idea of a defense is a defense is a defense in football. You're, right. you're trying to stop someone from scoring. Now, what defense you run, it, it can vary. You can run the 4-3, you can run the 3-4, and, and so you've just got to pick what you want to do. But but to not think through. So even if, you, if you're a non-mission statement type of place, there still has to be a sense in which you're saying this is how we're going to make disciples. This is the only way a church can really fail um, by not making disciples right. or discipling people in what is untrue. Yeah. And, and so pray as you listen to this that, that you would know what God's called you to in regards to making disciples, what that looks like, what, what you're pursuing and growing in as a disciple. And, and man, I hope today as Josh and I have just kind of no guest, just us kind of bantered around on some things uh, that, that you would be encouraged in the Lord. 